Hello, you wonderful people, and welcome to episode number three of the Being Sapient podcast. My guest today is one of my best mates. He is probably jack of all trades, master of none, probably more so than me. Uh, he's a Barry's boot camp trainer. He's a techno gym trainer. He is a Puma performance ambassador. He is the founder of We Revive Retreats. He is a model. He is a trainer. He's also been on the front cover of Men's Health. So it seems like I've got a bit of a trend going on here. Um, but yes, it is Mr. Harry Sellers. Today's podcast, we go into a little bit more depth on redefining success. What success is to, to me, what success is to him, and what we believe people should deem success to be. It can be, yes, how much money you've got in the bank, or it can be how big your house is, but it can also be how much time do you have? How fulfilled are you in your life? Or how 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 happy are you in your current situation? So we go into a lot of depth on on, on success itself, and there's some real funny moments in this one. Um, Harry's got a, a, quite a few stories to tell. Uh, I'm buzzing about this this episode, and um, yeah, get listening to episode number three. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Being Sapien podcast. So I am here with one of my very, very good friends, Mr. Harry Sellers. And as mentioned in sort of the intro, we're going to be going into what we deem as redefining success, what we feel success is, um, and probably delving a little bit deeper into maybe something that we've experienced over the, the last year, two, three years, or maybe our whole careers, just to sort of give you a little bit of an insight of like, okay, we might have been successful in one thing, but we definitely failed many, many times in uh, in other things. So um, before we get into that, and before we actually go delve deeper into that conversation, my man Harry's gonna gonna tell you a bit about himself and where he's come from and what he's, what he's done, I suppose. Yeah, mate. Um, firstly, thank you for having me. I appreciate the, the, the fact you've got me on here. It is quite a, a humbling and um, honoring moment when one of your good friends asks and they want to hear about your life and you, you think other people might be interested. I mean, I'm sure, Maybe some people might turn us off after two minutes being like, what is this guy chatting shit about? <laughs> Let's give it a go. I mean, I'll start, I'll start, like I said, background story, I guess. Um, like your two previous guests and two, two friends of mine as well, Tom and Bradley, like it all started from sport, I guess with you as well. It started with sport and I went to a very sporting school in, in the Cronks. Um, oh Wick your school, shout out Wick your school, some of my best, best years of my life spent there and I had so much fun at school and... For me, I was, it was never, there was never really one sport that I was like amazing at. I was, I could almost turn my hand to a lot of sports, like can do everything. I can't do one thing really, really well, but I can play golf. I can play hockey. I can play rugby. I played football. Like I can kind of hold myself in a few different sporting arenas. Although one I say is table tennis. I am shit hot at table tennis and if anyone <laughs> this goes out as a challenge to anyone who's podcast you want to take me to table tennis i'm here for it tom bliss who was on this podcast made the mistake of calling me out table tennis when we went to ibiza two years ago we had a competition over the five days we in ibiza and the bet was whoever lost over the five days the most games on the final <laughs> on the final night in dc 10 the last the person who lost had to do 50 burpees 
in DC 10. Middle of the dance. And I was like, Tom, you do realize I'm going to call you out. And I did. I called him out and he didn't do it. So if anyone listening sees Tom Bliss in DC 10 when, when Ibiza opens, let him know that he's got 50 burpees to do. And I can't <laughs> see them. He loves a burpee. We know this. So, Tom, if you're listening, mate, you've got 50 burpees to do. That is so good. That is um, good. Anyway, I went off track there a little bit. Um, but yeah, just chatting about like, um, I guess how my sporting background kind of led me to where I am today. It was like, I guess I always live my life like impulsively and I would always just do what felt good at the time. And with the sport thing, I, I went to Loughborough, which is a very sporting university. I studied international business, which is a whole nother topic in itself, like kind of talking about how my degree was potentially not irrelevant, but what I learned, I probably could have learned elsewhere. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's a different topic of conversation. But yeah, I was playing sport when I was at uni. I played a bit of hockey. And then I went on a placement year where I worked at Nike for the year in the PR team, which was, a, again, an amazing experience. Made some good connections there. And then when I came back to uni in my final year, I played golf. Because I was like, again, it was a thing where I'd always follow what felt good at the time. And for me, I, at that point, I kind of fell out of love with hockey. So then I started playing. I, I'd always played golf, but I took it a bit more seriously, got a few more lessons, which, you know, I can put you in touch with it. Um, you need it. You need it. <laughs> I think I need them because I'm missing an A-time at the moment. <laughs> Lee snapped his A-time when we were playing golf on the first hole because he shanked it out of bounds twice and then snapped his A-iron. So, yeah, if anyone, any, anyone on here that can help him out, send him an A-iron. <laughs> Lee, that would be greatly appreciated, mate. Um, so yeah, I played golf in my final year, which was, which was fun. It was relaxed. It was like, rather than train, like doing fitness sessions on a bloody Tuesday night at 10 o'clock, yeah. I was on the range at six o'clock, having a beer, hitting a few golf balls. And then what it was, more could you want? what more could you want? It, it was dreamy. So I guess that kind of, um, and then when I graduated from uni, um, I had a bit of one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I want to do. I've got a business degree. I scraped, literally scraped by my fingernails, my 2-1. Um, and I was a bit, I had a moment, actually was in a startup at the time. It was like an idea that we had at uni. It was, um, I won't go too much into it because it wasn't the best idea, but <laughs> I did learn a lot from it. And we entered like a virgin boom I'm startup. In, I'm actually intrigued. I need to know what oh, startup God. I mean, it was. <laughs> um, it was called Lean. And our idea was basically we wanted to bring fitness we want to be the uber of fitness which i think kind of exists now i think there is an app i yeah, can't remember what it's called, called true b yes and wherever and we our idea was basically wherever you go in the world you want to be able to find a gym find a trainer or like a bit like uber where it would come up on a map and you'd be able to find it and the essence of the idea was kind of good but our execution was like we were two kids from uni we had no idea what we were doing and in hindsight it sounds like it could be really good i know i know um but i did learn a lot from that and then i went into another startup um, which was called the gym book, which was creating a fitness planner, like a physical planner. Um, so at the time, obviously there was a lot of fitness apps coming about and we were kind of trying to swim upstream in the fact that we want to create a physical copy whereby yes, an app is great, but when you're on your phone in the gym and you're trying to write something down, you get a text message, you get, you get distracted on social media. We wanted to take away the distraction of your phone and just have it in a really nice laid out planner. Nice, so we, yeah. we had these books and um, I got some experience with dealing with athletes because I dealt with um, Harry AA. He was one of our first people that we got on board to help write the program. Um, so again, some great learning experiences there. And at the time, 
obviously that wasn't paying anything because it was a startup and we, we hadn't even, we weren't in launch selling products yet. But at the time I was working at a golf course in Surrey called Beaverbrook, which is like a private golf course as a caddy. I was caddying for like super, super wealthy people, um, some celebrities, um, uh, like people like uh, Jamie Redknapp, Tim Henman, Shane Warne, I've carried his bag. So again, that was another experience, a whole different experience in itself, which kind of, I guess shaped where I am now. And like, I was in a white set of overalls carrying their golf bag for four hours. But when you're, when you've got like some of the biggest businessmen in the world and you can kind of pick, pick their brains for four hours, like slyly and make like you do. And I did like end up making some really good connections there and ended up PTing, which is kind of how I then got into PT, one of the clients from the golf course. And then that kind of led me into fitness. And I was like, Oh, okay, hold on a minute. Like, I always love the sporting side of it, but I also love the training side of it. And I never really considered it, but I was like, actually like, I, I really, I, I like this. Um, but I kind of did find out early on that PT wasn't hundred percent. Like I liked it, but I was like, something's missing here. Yeah. Like, and I found that when I went to a Barry's bootcamp class and one of my friends invited me down and I was like, wow, this is where I want to be like group fitness. Yeah. I was in a dark studio, loud music. The music was popping. And I was just going for gold and I was like, this is sick. And fortunately, like, again, right place, right time. The guy in the room was like, oh, we're recruiting trainers at the moment. Would you be interested? Yeah. Um, and then did, did, yeah, did my Barry's qualification and then st- started the Barry's, which kind of started my journey within fitness. Um, and I guess we'll come back to the whole fitness thing in yeah. a bit, but I sure. guess that's kind of I my mean, elaborated life story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. And yeah, um, I like how you just done a bit of this, done a bit of that, and just like not really had to think about too much. Like yeah. you just kind of gone with the flow and you felt good at the time, then you just jumped yeah. into it. And I feel like a lot of people sometimes want to have this like structured life and they want yeah. to be like okay i know when i leave school and i've got my levels and i must go to uni and when i've got my uni degree and then i'm going to go work this corporate job and my life's going to be amazing for the next 30 40 years i'm yeah. going to climb the ladder and everything's going to be hunky-dory yeah um i feel like the world's really changed now yeah i feel like there's a lot more to say for taking your time figuring out things as it goes, yeah. understanding what makes you tick as a person, yeah. but also understanding what makes you happy as a person mm-hmm. and going down a route. Yes, it might not pay the best at the start, but I mean, I think every job eventually will pay well if you really yeah. hustle it and do, and do, do, right, do the right thing. But on the, on the flip side, does every single person on this planet do their job for their pay? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. they do it purely because of the love and the passion yeah. that they do. Right? And, on, and on that point, um, your last podcast with Bradley, um, he made a point that I really respected him for. He was, he said like, I'm money orientated, I'm money motivated. And I was like, you know what? That's actually quite nice to hear someone own up to that because there's a lot of people out there that are money orientated, which is fine. There's nothing against that. Being money, that's that, like money is, is the essence of, of what essentially makes the world go round. And like, if, if, if you want to have that lifestyle, then great. And, and I, really respect him for actually own up to it because a lot of people say oh yeah i don't do it for the money i don't do it for the money but it's like mate you do it for the money let's be serious yeah, like exactly. and um and i guess my outlook on it is a is a little bit different and i generally got my my life story is kind of i always did things that made me happy mm-hmm. and that is kind of my outlook on fitness i always tell people like you don't have to come to my class i'd rather you do what makes you happy what you have fun doing if that might be bloody doing a zumba class 
or a bouncy trampoline class or go walking like do what you want to do what's yeah, going to make you happy because exactly. yeah. that's what's going to keep you active long into your old age and that's my philosophy around fitness and um and i guess like you said again it's coming into the i think the topic of this podcast like what we wanted a, the overarching principle we wanted to talk about was like redefining success and what success really means mm-hmm. and to me success is i think people sometimes define it too narrowly in one field. Um, and I watched a documentary recently because I fucking love my golf um, on Tiger Woods on Sky, it's called Tiger. Mm. And it kind of delves into the backstory and, and, and how his relationship with his dad, um, not, it wasn't so much about golf. And I guess someone like Tiger Woods, I guess there's a lot of CEOs out there, a lot of sports stars out there that you would define them as, as successful but within their field, like Tiger Woods is the most, one of the most successful golfers of all time. But the guy was a drug addict. He went to rehab, like, couldn't hold down a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health was in a poor place. So yes, he's successful at golf, but would I deem him as successful? Do I want to look up to, and do I want to achieve that kind of yeah. success at the detriment to my mental health and so many other factors? Yeah, Probably not. And I think that's, that's something that, I kind of uh, try and try and like almost pop my head up and, and reflect on sometimes the fact that I don't want to earn so much money in my life that people say this, I'll earn so much money so your kids don't have to work. I want my kids to work. I want my kids to have the value for money. I want, I'd, I'd rather earn less money and be able to spend more quality time with them and in, exactly, instill yeah. good values into them so they can earn their own money yeah, exactly. rather than be working 12 hours and never see them, but give them this pile of money to, as if like, that's a kind of, that's my life goal. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're very right. And I, I read something on Tiger Woods when, when growing up, as you said, he had a bit of a tough life and he was, you know, his sole focus was golf no matter what. And his dad was incredibly hard on him. And to the point where he used to abuse him and um, Tiger would have a, a word that him and his dad would, Enough. yeah, it's yeah. E. And everyone, everyone would be like, oh, the E word. And yeah. everyone needs to say, okay, what is the E word? And it's enough. Yeah. So as soon as Tiger feels like he's had enough of his dad's yeah. abuse, he says enough, his dad knows he's had enough, which is a really interesting concept because essentially you, you can kind of see it as like, did his dad almost like bully him to become a professional golfer? The ironic thing is he, what I've heard again, that you don't know is that he never actually said that word. And the, the fact that he was so scared and so conditioned that he couldn't even say the safe word that they'd given him yeah. all these years. And I guess that may have given him the mental strength to handle golf when there's crowds watching you, but that you want to be able to in life be able to throw your hand up and almost say the safe word not so much a safe word but the it's very prevalent in the mental health world at the moment is that are you okay like he wasn't he didn't obviously have the courage to stand up and say look actually i'm not all right at the moment like my mental health's not in a good place like i've got a gambling addiction i've got whatever 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 and he didn't feel like he could throw his hand up and say that i feel like that's and fortunately there is a lot of movement in that space at the moment where it is it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And the mental health surrounding specifically uh, men's mental health. I mean, there's obviously a whole different different angles we can talk about mental health, but as soon as we're both two lads, kind of talking about from a male point of view, um, he clearly wasn't in a, in a, in a great place. Say, yeah, yeah. for sure. And he's, I mean, yeah, you look at him, he is that had an incredibly successful career, but at the same time, 
you know, he's he's done a lot of wrong things, right? So he's been a success, a success in one part of his life, yeah. But in many other facets of his life, he would you would probably deem him as a failure, yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, can you be successful and unsuccessful? I think that's a great way of almost summarizing what you spoke about. I think again, success and failure. I don't. I almost feel like those words need to be redefined, which is kind of the topic of this conversation, but success shouldn't be defined so narrowly and failure almost shouldn't even be a word. Like failure isn't a thing. Like failure should be a learning curve always. There's never failure. And like, I've got a a tattoo on my ribs that says one life, no regrets. And the no regrets thing is almost like saying there's no failure. Like, although I've fucked up so many times in my life, so many different ways, but do I regret any of them? No, yeah. because I've learned something from everything. Yeah. And that's why I think there's essentially, there is no failure. And it's almost like cliche to say that this, this kind of stuff now, and it all sounds a bit like airy fairy, but I guess and when you're trying to redefine words, like you do need to like, re, not redefine words, but almost like take a different perspective on things yeah. and like start, start, take a look, step back and be like, whoa, am I doing this for the right reason? Or because someone else has told me to do it or someone else has told me that's how success is defined. When I was at school, my teachers told me you're successful if you earn money, you're you're a failure if you this, that and the other. And when it comes down to the society, right? Because it's it's more so a societal issue because throughout society, you are told growing up that, okay, you are deemed successful if you have that nice car, if you have that amazing house, if you've got a certain amount of money in the bank, you can fly you know, by private jet, yeah. you know, where all those material things, which realistically, if you strip that all back, can all of that stuff make you happy? Yeah. Mm, yes, but yeah. nine times out of ten, yeah. the long game, you probably won't, because yeah. you know, once you've got your Ferrari, where do you go from there? Yeah. You only go down, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, there's a there's a, a cliche throat uh, quote, which I kind of, I do love a little bit, which is, um, have stories to tell, not things to show. And it's like, when I'm on my deathbed, my kids are there. They don't give a fuck that I've got a Rolex on my wrist. Like, yeah. wh- why do they care about that? Take it off you they're gonna, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> I know, they fucking go and sell it. And <laughs> go and travel around Thailand and learn and have some life experiences <laughs> and some stories to tell. Like, exactly. I want to be on my deathbed telling my kids, it sounds quite morbid in a way, but I want to have so many stories to tell that like I can look into their eyes and then be like almost inspired by that and and that's where the the inspiration doesn't come from the materialistic things it comes from my experiences that I've had I hope yeah Um, which I think go on it's very 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 true you're 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 hitting on the head there and I I without shadow without growing up was very much of a mindset okay what job am I going to get into that's going to earn me good money yeah. What job am I going to get into? Is going to have a progression where when I'm 25, I remember being, I remember telling my mum when I was maybe 15, mum, I'm going to have a Range Rover when I'm 25. I'm going to be a millionaire. She's like, okay, Lee, you do that. Yeah. I'm 26. I haven't got a Where's your Rangey, mate? And I'm, <laughs> I haven't got a million pounds. He's got a bike there. upstairs. <laughs> the black man, mate. To be it's fair, it is nice a bike. Um, but yeah, I, I look back now and yes, it was maybe a goal or something that I said to my mum at the time, but I am in a such a good place right now. I'm yeah. happy. I feel very fulfilled. My career seems like it's going in the right place and I'm navigating it in the right yeah. way. And I don't feel the stress to have like shitloads of cash in the bank. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing fine. Yeah, yeah. And I know that I'm going to progress. Yeah. I've always said to myself, do you trust your future self to make it okay? Yeah. Or do you trust your future self 
that no matter what you yeah, make it trust. work. Yeah, that's and, such and a, I really do. That's such a great point. And like trust, like you say, trust your future self. In the trusting your future self enables you to enjoy the present. Yeah. And it's like I've got things in my life now that if when I look back on like I would relish to have those things yeah. way back then and like I'm worrying about the Harry in the five years time but it's like enjoy Harry now and yes. and, and that's the redefining success thing for me is like success isn't materialistic success yes is having enough money to live on and be happy with and spend have great experiences with but like I've started a business, which I'll talk about, um, but not because I want that business to be wildly successful in monetary terms. I don't want it to be a multi-million dollar company because I know that with that multi-million dollar success has the opportunity costs of not spending time with my girlfriend who I love, not spending time with my family. Like those, all, the, all that money has an opportunity cost and I'd rather not have that. My, success, my business be successful, but not to the point where it, that it's going to cause yeah. me stress. But also, your business might transpire into being a multi-million pound business without you pushing it to be a multi-million pound business. Of course. You could get there without having that looming stress over you, knowing, okay, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that. Yeah. If my business isn't here in a year's time, I've failed. Yeah. You're not. If you're yeah. on your own journey, it doesn't exactly. matter if your business turns over 10,000 pounds or 10 million pounds. If you can see progression yourself in your business without it being exactly. in monetary terms, yeah. then... For you, 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 you succeeded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's a very fulfilling place to be in. Yeah. Um, I want to give the listeners a bit of a, a bit of a laugh. So, uh, <laughs> for those that don't know Harry Sellers, he decided to do an Ironman oh with absolutely zero training. He swam about four lengths of a swimming pool, <laughs> rode up a few hills, and um, he decided to go. Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to do an Ironman. So we're going to get into. Was the Ironman a success or did you learn from it? Because it wouldn't be a failure. You oh, learned from that, that Ironman. Tell, tell the listeners what, what happened. Oh my God, the Ironman. Again, this is me, like this classic Harry, like a, in so many ways it's good, but Christ, it really does, really does test me. <laughs> like I, I, it was, um, it was actually it was before I was friends with H and Joe and that. It was like, they needed, more people to come on this trip to Portugal where they were doing a, a half Ironman. And at the time I was like, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. So I was like, yeah, sure. Signed up to it, paid my 250 euros. Um, and obviously in the time leading up was we had a group chat and everyone was like completing their blocks. And I was like, I didn't even know what block was. Like I would only train, I would sit on a walk bike watching Netflix. I might go for a swim, but end up in a jacuzzi. <laughs> Might go for a run, but would end up in a cafe and was just, I was just wing it. It'd be like, you know what? I, I do fitness. Like, I run a bit here and now I'll be all right. Harry will, Harry will get there. But my God, if there was one thing that I needed to prepare for, it was that because when I turned up and before I flew out, I was like, mom, I need, I need a wetsuit because apparently we're doing it in the Atlantic and like it's, it's, it's fairly cold in, in the Atlantic. And, and mom was like, oh yeah, a surfing wetsuit, Harry. It's one of dad's old surfing wetsuits. And I was like, oh great, I'll take that. So I took that. And obviously everyone was having their bike shipped out there. I was like, I'm not having my bike shipped out. That's long. And at the time I wasn't earning great money. And I was like, I can't afford that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to hire a bike out there. So I hired it off Eurocar. It was like 60 euros for this road bike, um, which had no cleats. It was just pedals. Fantastic. But the swim was first and I had my wetsuit on and there's me warming up and you've got all these like triathlon junkies in there like 
400 pound wetsuits like looking swish yeah full on all the gear and all the idea whereas i've got no gear and no idea (laughs) and like with the wetsuit it was a surfing wetsuit and it kept me warm but i couldn't move my shoulder like my arm above my shoulder because it was so thick so i was like oh my god i can't do front crawl i have to do breaststroke so there was me bobbing along like a middle-aged woman doing breaststroke for two kilometers like (laughs) at the back of the pack, just chilling, not getting my hair wet. And and then I came out of the swim, but I didn't do too bad on the swim because I'm quite long. I've got long limbs. So breaststroke wasn't that slow and it wasn't that choppy. So I come out the swim onto the bike. And obviously, like I said, no cleats, just pedals. And um, also because it's such a long stint, you have to, even if you're not thirsty, even if you're not hungry on something like an Ironman, you've got to drink, you've got to eat anyway. How long was the bike? The bike was 90k, so it's a half iron. Normal, a full Ironman is 180k. Bike was 90 kilometers. The first 60 kilometers, flat road. I'm cruising, chilling. We're going along the, the Portuguese coast from Cascais to Lisbon. Unreal views. I'm zooming past a few of these people with their four grand bikes and their dildo helmets looking all flash. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, I fucking got this. Watch this. And of course, it came back to bite me because we hit the hill section after 60k, this steep hill. And of course, I haven't drunk anything, I haven't eaten anything. And, and it was hot and then cramps. I, my legs started to go a bit fizzy. And I'm looking down thinking, oh God, what's, what's about to happen now? And the worst cramp I have ever experienced shot down both my legs. It felt like I had two steel poles shoved down my legs. And I literally came to a stop and just fell off my bike and just screamed in pain. It was so, I couldn't straighten my leg because my quad would cramp. I couldn't bend it, my hamstring would cramp. I was literally in this weird position, like a gargle on the side of the road. <laughs> like, and it was, the pain was so, the, the pain was so bad that I obviously had lactic poisoning. I just threw up on myself. So there's me in my tight light on the side of the road, like all these French geezers just driving past me um, on their bikes. I'm just throwing up on myself and like thinking I've just paid 250 euros to do this. And I'm sat at the side of the road in Portugal, throwing up on myself <laughs> for about 10 minutes. And then fortunately this lovely lady stopped and helped me and she gave me some water. She gave me some of those energy gels and I got myself up. Um, and then I walked four kilometers to the top of the hill, pushed my bike to the top of the hill. And by that point I drank so much water that I needed a piss, but the next toilet was another at the bottom of the hill, another 5k away. And I was like, you know what? I've just thrown up on myself. How much worse can it get? So I just pissed all down my leg and then set off, (laughs) rolled down the hill to the bottom, got to the end of the cycle section and then hit the run section. And of course that was just an an epic fail. Like the cramp was obviously onset in my body at this point. And I couldn't run because every time my foot landed, I just get cramp all down my quads. So I had to walk it, this weird like power walk that I'd found where I like, you know, like, the little shuffle, little like sexy Samba vibes. <laughs> I had this visor on, it was steaming hot. And at this point I'd been overtaken by so many people. It was just me and all the old people left. Cause normally you get all these old people that do Ironman that are like, they'll travel, yeah, they'll travel the world. They'll do Ironmans and then stay in the country and like, but they're like, in their seventies, I'm not joking. And like this blesser, this woman from fucking Bolton came up behind me and we had a little chit chat for about 20 minutes as I'm trying not to cramp in my feet. And then, yeah, so I made it through seven hours and 50 something minutes. I was literally, I, they started packing away all the stuff, like people in the streets that I'd leave in and there's me coming in, but you know, got my medal and, and, and there I was. 
That's, that's, the fact I finished was a was a success in itself, right? That's a, yeah. That that for me is one of the best stories I've absolutely ever heard. And every time you tell it, I just I, I'm, I'm in stitches. It's fantastic. But exactly what you said there, you still deemed it as a success because you put your mind to something as much as you absolutely fucked the prep. Yeah. You put your mind to something. You got there. You did it. You pissed on yourself. You were sick on yourself. <laughs> You made I didn't it. shit myself. I didn't, I didn't, shit, didn't shit yourself. Yeah. But you made it to the finish line and you crossed it in however long you did, four days. <laughs> um, but you, you, you made it. And for me, you learned a lot. You know, you, you didn't see it as a failure. You learned a lot from, you know, finishing that half Ironman and, and yeah. the rest is history sort of thing. So exactly. I know next time you'll, you'll prepare a lot better for it. Yeah, we'll see um, if there is a next time. I mean, yeah. Don't count me in. I definitely <laughs> won't do that. Um, so I think getting onto the topic of, uh, of COVID because it's a very, um, it's a very talked about subject oh, at the moment. I don't I mean, think yeah, we're still in, you know that. We're still in lockdown. Um, so yeah, uh, how was COVID for you? How did you adapt? Um, what did you see as positives from it? I've watched it as negatives from it. Like, what's your what's your take on it? And how how do you? Yeah, I mean, for me, COVID. There's a lot of our mates, Tom and Bradley, to be fair, who've been on your podcast, who like adapted to it well, and they sh- were straight on the online. Um, created a new business and and absolutely crushed it. Um, but for me, COVID was like survival mode. Like I, there was the opportunity to do online stuff, and I was doing. I was teaching for Barry's. But for me, the reason why I love fitness is not the online side of it. And I'm sure a lot of people love it, and it has its benefits. But when I can't look at someone, when I'm not in the vibe of the room and the music, like that's not kind of what I enjoy. So. For me, it was survival. It was do what I can. So um, hopefully, fingers crossed, wait for gyms to reopen again and, and for things to be back to normal. Yeah. And I think the fitness market in the and industry is in an interesting place right now because obviously pre-COVID, it went from 90% in studio. You kind of heard about Peloton, but they, they, they weren't massive. And obviously, they took off during COVID. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what happens now because obviously everyone's got an online subscription somewhere. Everyone's on an online class, whether they've got a Peloton bike or a subscription to an online service. But it's like, how will it fare now when gyms start to reopen again? Will yeah. people, I hope they do, and I think they will rush back to gyms because I feel like the main attraction to me is the community atmosphere and like humans are social creatures. We want to be around people. And that's what I'm kind of hoping that I'm, I'm sitting and waiting, waiting on and that things will go back to normal. Like there's the, I feel like the market will almost go like maybe 70% in studio and 30% online in the fact that it's great that the, the online is there now because if people have kids and they've got no time, they can't get to a gym, yeah. they've got platforms there online. They've, they've great platforms out there. Barry's trainers, they started up Grindhouse, which is an amazing platform. There's Peloton, there's Bradley's thing, get it done. There's Tom's thing. Oh, sure there's, sorry, there's Lee Stevens, which, which is that, which is train with Lee, mate. What, train, with train, Lee. train with Lee, train with Lee, guys. Train. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is so, so right. You said it was survival mode for a lot of people. I mean, I'm totally honest with you. The first lockdown, I paid full duty every single day for six hours for like four months <laughs> and I completed Warzone. I was unbelievable. And I was contemplating even going back to be a professional. Uh, but but yes, you don't need to. You, you didn't need to have started a new business. You didn't need to have you know read you know, four books in your first month. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Become this like new yeah. fine person of you, right? You didn't need to do yeah. that. 
Um, and there was a, I feel like there was a lot of pressure on people that didn't have the ability to work from home and was maybe self-employed in that industry like ours to be like, okay, I need to be doing something different and like having this new business or like having this new idea that's going to like catapult me to the next level. So like I was very comfortable at the time just to be like, do you know what? I've been running around London for six years, every single day, nonstop trying to build my business. It's the only time I'm probably ever going to get where I can actually slow down, yeah. reassess exactly. and just kind of like, maybe like reevaluate what we want to go yeah. down with my life. Yeah, exactly. And for me, that was incredibly humbling and it's got me to where I am now. I'm in a very good place now. I can't, I'm actually, it's pretty shit to say it. And Bradley kind of said this pre-recording, but I'm going to call him out now. <laughs> he was uh, he was like, I, I feel bad saying that I've been a success from COVID. Yeah. Because he has been and he's he, yeah, yeah. been taken off. Yeah. I don't feel like I'll be in the position sitting here now doing this and like having all the, the different uh, avenues that I've got to potentially go down now if yeah. COVID did come about. Yeah, yeah. So I am thankful that it happened yeah. and I am thankful that I was able to sit back, take some time and be like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And this is how I'm going to do it. Exactly. And like, is one thing like there was people like Bradley, like many others that capitalized on COVID and they, they took it as opportunity to start a new business. But I think you hit the nail, nail on the head there. Oh, sorry, that's me. That's my- Do not disturb. That's my reminders going off. They go off about 12 times a day. Um, where was I at? And yeah, people capitalize on it. But I think the other aspect was reflection. I think if you didn't capitalize, at least did you, did you take a long, hard look at yourself and be like, you know what, now's the time where am I, can I look my mates in the eye and honestly tell them that this is this is where I wanna be right now? Like, if you look at your younger self, would your younger self be happy with where you are right now? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, a lot of people could say yes, but I think honestly, a lot of people might have taken a step back and be like, actually, I, I don't really enjoy my job yeah. or I don't like commuting to London every day and living yeah. that rat race life. And, and a lot of, I know a lot of my friends from school have, have taken a step back and they've reevaluated and, and, and looked at other avenues, which is so nice to see. And it's refreshing in, in this world because I think everyone's so blinkered and almost ushered down roots in their life and, and actually take it stopping and taking a second and be like, do you know what? Is this what I want to do? Is yeah. this how I want to spend my life? Is this, am I living in the present or am I living for the weekend? Like yeah. that is a big thing for me. It's like, I don't want to give up the present to then to in 20 years from now, sit on this pile of cash, but I'm not young anymore. Like it's a, a yeah. Warren Buffett, he, he, he the famous quote, it's like, saving up all your money to spend it in your old age is like saving up sex to have in your old age. It's like, mate, you, you, your dick ain't working when you're 60, mate. Unless you pop a few blueies, that thing ain't going up. Like, live in the present moment. And this, again, it sounds so cliche for me to say, but like, not a lot of people do. And a lot of people will live for the weekend. They're like, they're, they're giving themselves excuses. The fact that, oh yeah, it's fine because I'm earning this money and I'll have time to spend it on the weekend. It's like, well, why not? spend that money now why not live your life now in this present yeah. moment like what are you doing with yourself yeah. like make a decision now ask like yourself some, now. some hard yeah. questions and like have some friends that will ask you those questions too and like will you, will your mates and i had that moment in my life as well i was in a friend group a few years back that wasn't the healthiest boys to be around and it was like all about going out it was all about the wrong circles who you are status games 
and I didn't, I was taking a second to look back and I was like, I haven't had a sober conversation with these lads. Like I've only ever met you for like, whereas it's so nice and refreshing now to be in a community and, and have a set of friends like yourself, like Tom, like Joe, like H, like all the girls that we know, like that we're, we're happily ask each other, like, don't get me wrong, we go out and have fun, but we happily have these conversations. The fact that I'm sat here with you now having this conversation yeah, is, is testament to that. The fact that are you having these hard conversations with your mates or are you just talking about absolute drivel yeah like and, and, and that's a, that will end up becoming just a continuous cycle and it'll be yeah. like that for forever until it's addressed right yeah, until you break uh, it and like uh, like people say that you are the common denominator of the common denominator of the five closest people around you and like when you take a step back and you look at the five closest people around you what they're doing with their lives where they are and it's not to be like oh i'm better than these people now and i'm it's not it's not about being snobby it's about being selfish to an extent and yeah. being like you know what someone's drilling um <laughs> it's been like i'm gonna check in with myself right now i'm gonna be selfish because it's my life it's not their life and am i making them happy am i making someone else happy or am i or do i want to make myself happy yeah exactly. and that's kind of my my life philosophy and how i've always lived and and like do things to make you happy be impulsive don't be scared to say yes and, and that's where it comes to making decisions i i've always lived by the mindset of if you don't ask you don't get if you never try you never know exactly so and i've always been like that if i need to make a decision i'll okay okay if i don't make the decision i'll never know what the outcome will be mm. so just make it and if it doesn't pay off fine it's a lesson learned it's not a failure if it does pay off great it's a success and you run from it right from from where you are right um, you started a travel business i suppose or you are a retreat business and then COVID came about. And then travel got banned, um, <laughs> which, yeah, How is, that? is an ex interest. I mean, a lot of people would see that as a setback, and it was. But fortunately, I the villa let me just push back the, the booking to the same time next year, which is this year, 2021, Mykonos in September. Um, and obviously, I had a few marketing costs at the time, which were almost redundant. But I was lucky in the fact that I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have their lives crushed by COVID and my heart goes out to them and there's like NHS staff and, and like so many travel businesses and other businesses that have like absolutely crumbled. And fortunately, like mine hadn't properly got on its feet yet to the point where I could delay it and, and it, it, it would all be all right. Um, but yeah, that, that business for me is... Um, almost an extension of my personality in, in essence like it didn't come because I was trying to solve a problem it didn't come because I wanted to try and make money it came because two things I love doing fitness traveling combine them into a fitness retreat and Amazing. I like I go away a couple of times a year take some like money people with you um, train a bit eat some good food my mum's a chef so she's cooking the healthy food so there's like shower, a fat, fat, sellers. shower mummy sellers um, <laughs> and like, there's a yoga instructor um, and my philosophy on the retreats is that there's some retreats out there. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to, to bash them at all, each to their own. If you like doing that kind of stuff, like these juice cleanses where they restrict your diet, some of them take away your phones again, which can be great, but mine isn't about restricting people. The reason I've called it, we revive is because I want to, I want to take people away from their everyday lives and revive and feeling like they haven't come back 
like they've under-eaten, like they've been trained and worked to the bone. I want them to come back feeling refreshed. It's their holiday, it's their money they're spending. So yes, we work out, yes, we do some yoga, but they can have a glass of wine if they want. They can go out and go to a local town if they want. They can eat as much food as they want. Like, who am I to tell them what to do? So that's my kind of philosophy. And obviously, hopefully that will launch this year. I know there's a bit of, Boris has got a five grand penalty on people traveling, but hopefully that will lift in July and September will be all right. So yeah, fingers, fingers crossed for this year, mate. I hope that works out, man. It sounds like an incredible little business to get, get up and running. And yeah, I've done a retreat myself, right, where I've taught one and it's, it's, it's a very good experience, Yeah. Um, both for clients and for you as a trainer and you as potentially the business owner. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a holiday, but you're enjoying yourself and you get a bit of fitness, you get a bit of yoga and you get a bit of, Vitamin D, that's some sunshine, tan. We could all do a tan. I'm so pale right now. Back to the topic so, redefining success and relating this to social media. Now, me and you, pretty active on social media, you a lot more than me. We haven't touched on your modeling career yet. I think we'll go into that in a sec. But Instagram is a is a Instagram especially I suppose is a is a highlight reel as me and you know. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And there are a lot of young people that you know jump on Instagram at the ages of what 10, 12, 14, yeah. you know, they start following all these all these deemed to be successful people, um, blue tick this and Ferrari this and you know Odomar PK this. Yeah. And straight away they're sort of potentially without even realizing it aspiring to be like these sort of people yeah because they may even deem them to be an inspiration or a yeah. success yeah what's your take on the way someone looks on social media page having a detrimental effect to affecting a young person's yeah. view on success yeah I mean, social media is is two sides to a coin. And I mean, it can be an amazing place, but it can be a toxic place. And I've been that guy when I first started out on it and I was trying to get followers and I was only posting the pictures that I looked good and, and bigging myself up. And like, I fell into that trap. And there was a point where I was like, what is what is this doing for me like why is this where is this getting me like what, what's the purpose of this where, how is it moving the needle and now for me social I'm very transparent on social media like almost to the ridiculous point in the fact that it, social media for me isn't a highlight reel it is my life and I think you know that as a person like I I'm on social media a lot but it I'm, it's very raw. Like my yeah. stories is me living my life. It's me having fun with Meg, doing stupid, stupid stuff, shit. dancing around the house, like posting photos where you don't look great <laughs> and messing around. And like that for me, that being authentic and like being transparent is kind of what I like to do. People can relate to And it. people can relate to it. Yeah. yeah. Like people like, especially when someone like me is like, when you model and you're in fitness and you look a certain way and like, it can be quite, um, what's the word not daunting almost um it maybe gives you a perception from other people yeah you, you, that is, that is not you yeah and people would meet me as well after seeing my social media and be like oh my god harry you're actually a half decent guy yeah. like on your so i expected you when i after meeting you i expect you to be a bit of a and like at that point that was when i started thinking i'm like oh my god like your social your social identity is an extension of yourself. And like, I don't want people to meet me in real life and think, oh my God, like you're so much like, hope. So different. Yeah, different. Yes. Yeah. So at that point, that was when I started being, I started being a lot more authentic and, 
and posting random shit and shit that didn't look good and and like funny stuff and try and be more relatable because I don't want people to, to meet me and be like, oh, thank God you're not that tosser. That I don't want to be that yeah. person. So you look like a tosser, but in real life, I know, I know, I know, and I'm a tosser <laughs> sometimes as well. Every we all are. How do you um how do you navigate a modeling career and a fitness career? I mean, fortunately, I think they kind of go, well, for me, I've managed to capitalize on both of them and almost intertwine them. And there's some cross-pollination in that. Um, there's some fitness modeling as well, which is kind of the jobs that I would get as a, when I started out as a model. And obviously, I was highlights of my, my modeling career. I was on the front cover of Men's Health, which is a, a great achievement. Uh, if that's not a plug, I don't know what yeah, it is. It's a little, little <laughs> name drop there for you guys. Um, <laughs> no, but again, like the Men's Health thing, like, there's people that have been on the cover because of the accreditation they have behind them. Whereas I wasn't on it because I was a big name in the fitness world. I was on it purely for, from a modeling sense. So yes, it is an achievement, but I don't, I'm not like so, so proud of it because it was quite shallow in the fact that it was an image. There was nothing behind that image. It wasn't because I was the best trainer in the industry or because X, Y, Z, it was, it was a modeling photo. So yeah. as much as I'm proud of it, it's not, I, I, I'd hopefully like to appear in it or on it again for different reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, I mean, that's a journey for me. And, and with modeling now, it's almost seen as a side hustle. Like fitness is, is, is where I want to be, that space I want to be. And, and fortunately um, you can kind of get the odd job here and there for, for, to just, you know, for, for your pocket money, which is nice to have. Yeah, sure. That's good. And yeah, and I mean, having known, having now known you for a fair few years now, I can understand why some people would have a perception of an individual based upon the way they look on social media. Yeah, absolutely. It makes total sense. And it, it is quite sad to think that the fact that someone has to make that comment of, oh, you're not actually that person that I thought yeah, you were. Yeah. Um, if you, if you really like think about that, you're, you're perceived by so many people based upon like what you look like on a phone screen, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is quite sad. You, know? yeah. you go back like 20, 30 years before all this, all this was around, yeah, 10 yeah. years maybe before Instagram yeah. was around, you know, you're perceived straight away on like first impressions and like how you're met, how, how someone feels about you when they meet you. Yeah. But now all of a sudden people feel like they met you through a phone. Yeah. They then meet you for real, in real life and yeah. they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're different. Yeah, and that's very much overlooked now. Like people are so focused on, making that Instagram look good, but should they really be more focused on themselves and making, like you say, the first impression count? Because it really yeah. does count. Like first impressions do count. Sometimes in life, you don't get more than one chance. And I've been uh, like on the, the, the wrong end of that a few times where I fucked up because I haven't portrayed myself yeah. in, in the right way in certain circumstances. And some things have been in a good way, some things in a bad way. And like, rather than being that guy that looks great on social media, I want to be the guy that, is makes a good first impression and yeah. like you want to have fun with you want to have a drink with and then you, you leave my presence hopefully like feeling good and like yeah. feeling like and i mean not always i'm sure there's some people that i've pissed off but on mood, exactly depends <laughs> what mood i'm in if, if i haven't had my coffee and, and i've had a good night's sleep then you do not want to be on that side of me but <laughs> what um what advice would you give to people fresh into fitness industry yeah and again having having now post COVID or like post you know, lockdowns essentially and coming out of like what's been a very, very challenging year. How would you, mm. how would you advise them to navigate their career? Yeah. Fit, and again, like I touched on at the start, the fitness industry is in an interesting place at the moment. And it's an interesting, like, cause you've got so many routes that you can go down with. 
And like, you don't have to be the classic PT, start at a gym, work your way up, attain clients. That doesn't have to be the case. That's certainly not the way I went about it. I know a lot of PTs did. Um, but for me, I was intuitive to the fact that a bit like how I've led my life and that I did what I enjoyed. I found the part of fitness that I liked and then I did that rather than following uh, the money or the status. I was like, I went to a Barry's class and I love the vibe. So I was like, I want to be a Barry's instructor. Yeah. Like, and that's same to anyone else. It's like coming to the fitness world, you don't have to be a PT. You can be a Zumba instructor and you will have the funnest time or you can be a yoga teacher or there's so many facets now to fitness. It's such a, a dynamic organism in the fact that you can be a nutritional coach, you can be a PT, you can be a performance coach, you can go into CrossFit. Like there's so many different avenues that you can go down. The thing that you like training and the thing that, like that you want to do tomorrow the thing that excites you do that and that's when when clients come to me and they want to look better and they come to me for advice i always will point them in direction that's going to put a smile on their face i don't i'm not trying to get them as a client i'm not trying to because i'm not and i'll put my hands up i'm not the best pt in the world i don't know the ins and outs of the science science behind it that's not my forte my forte is creating an atmosphere creating a vibe in a room with music and that's my thing and but and i'll point them in direction if they're looking for someone with all that knowledge i'll pass them on to tom blitz i'll pass them on to yourself again a very knowledgeable pt i'll pass them on to uh, harvey sam P all these like lads that we know in the fitness circle that, that know their shit they can have them yeah. and when their body's in a good place to the point where they want to come to a fitness class cool come back and, come, come back and see me exactly. and that's that's i think that we've got a great community in that sense and the whole active man group and that there's that cross-pollination between all of us then and, and regularly we'll see in that group chat oh lads i'm heading off anyone want this client and someone else will pick them up and like it's it's more about the bigger picture of looking after people's health rather than your own pocket and your own exactly. and your own selfishness that's so. um that's changed a lot though because this industry never used to, to, in my opinion, be like this. I remember when I first started out um, in KX, Private Members Club in mm -hmm. Chelsea, it was very much like, I mean, it was all about education and being the best personal trainer possible there and learning as much as possible, yeah. which is incredible. And like hats off to them, probably one of the best education um, systems you can go down as a PT to yeah. learn from start to finish. Yeah. Um, but even in, even in that environment, it was a bit like, okay, how many numbers am I doing this month? Uh, how, how, many, how many more clients can I get? And it was like, people would potentially like put their health, and I say health more so like, put their sleep at risk, put their recovery at risk, yeah. just to get an extra client in a week. Mm. And now like, fast forward to, to, to now, I feel like so many more people within the, within the industry are out to help other people as well. Mm. Now, I am more than happy to sit down with a new trainer and give my advice and help them as much as possible mm. knowing that yes they could potentially end up being more successful than me yeah i'm still happy if i've advised them yeah. and like they've gone with my advice yeah. and it's worked for them fantastic i've actually done my job absolutely like there's plenty of fish in the sea there are plenty of people on this planet to help um, i don't think anyone will go without having a fair few clients and doing well for themselves if they just apply themselves correctly. Yeah, um, so exactly. And I think that comes back to the, the point of our podcast. Like you say, you said the word successful there, the redefining success in that a successful person within the fitness industry is not necessarily one with all the clients because at that point where you're, where you're I mean, teaching like 10 hours a day, that's a lot as a PT. Like I personally, I teach three classes a day, uh, 
two classes a day sometimes i teach 17 hours a week which is nothing in the fitness space like compared to what some people do yeah. but fortunately working that time gives me enough money then to enjoy my life i can go and I, I finish work every day at two o'clock therefore i can go and play golf i can train i can see my girlfriend i can see my family i can see my dog i can do things i enjoy doing and that's why i deem myself as successful because yeah. i have like a healthy mental state i have a healthy relationship i have healthy sleep patterns because and that's not and that doesn't mean i earn the most not probably not by far yeah. but there's other aspects. Well, yeah, it's a lot more fulfilling. I'm, yeah, I'm fulfillment. Very, yeah. I'm, I'm very much of the opinion when it comes to success is can you wake up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, I'm happy. I'm in a good place. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm currently really enjoying what I'm doing and I'm going down a route that I really believe is the right route for me. Yeah. Or are you just doing the same thing every morning, Monday to Friday, you get to the weekend, you're like, oh, okay, um, Monday, we're going to go again. And it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's, it's, it's quite sad. I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking people to do this. If this is what you want to do, and this is the route that you believe is the right route for you, then so be it. You go at it, all guns blazing, and you do what you want to do. Yeah. I just feel me personally wouldn't thrive in that environment, and I would much prefer to be in much more control of my life. I have not got it figured out. I oh, do man, not know what I'm doing next either. week, yeah. let alone in four years. But that's life. good because that means you're living in the present. Like yeah. planning too much means you're, you're sacrificing your current present state for potentially something better in the future. And yeah. don't sacrifice the present, live in the present. And sorry, I interrupt you there, but what were you, where were yeah, you? Yeah, but it's, it's good, but I kind of yeah, finished there. It's just a case of like, yeah, I, I, I'm in a position where I can be like, okay, I don't really know what I'm gonna be doing in six months time, a year's time. What I'm currently doing now feels right. Yeah. And it feels like it's the right route for me to go down. Yeah. And coming back to what I said earlier, if I don't try, I'll never know. Exactly. So just going into an opportunity and expecting the best, being a bit more of an optimist rather than a pessimist, I think is my biggest bit of advice for anyone who just wants to like take a leap in something and just do it. Um, it's, it's very fulfilling. I think we're gonna finish with one thing. If you had a billboard anywhere on the planet, and anywhere when you could have it anywhere yeah what would that billboard say this this is a um, interesting question we, we chatted about this before the podcast started it's actually from a book that i read um from tim ferris called tribe of mentors and he kind of sent a set list of questions out to various um successful um people like athletes ceos etc etc actors and one of the, the ones that stuck with me was this question. It was like, if you had a billboard anywhere, what would you write on it and what would it say? And the, the first thing that came to mind was actually what I said at the start of this podcast, which was have stories to tell, not, not things to show, which, which I do thoroughly believe in. But, and an extension of that was what I actually want on a billboard only because I feel like I really want to put a swear word on a billboard because I feel hard doing Grabs it. Yeah, yeah, really just like hits it home. And, and, that, <laughs> and that is the best things that, the best stories I've had to tell in life have come after the phrase, fuck it, let's do it. Like the Iron Man was after a moment where I was like, oh, fuck it, what's the worst that can happen? Let's do it. And like mm. moments where I've been, I've worked at a bar as a topless waiter and like I sat there one night thinking, do I really want to do this? But I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And I had so much fun. And it was yeah. a part of my life that, yeah, like it is a bit cringy, but it was almost a stepping stone to where I am now. And it enabled me to, 
Well, if you didn't do that, you probably wouldn't be sitting here now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's so many things. Change your life in a different way. It's 100%. Um, so yeah, that is my on my billboard. Incredible, incredible. Um, I think we're gonna wrap up there. That was very, very oh, mate, Absolute really pleasure. That. Thank and, you so uh, much for having me on. That is uh, episode three of the Being Pod, Being Sapien podcast. Over and out.